Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome to the latest episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Could be extra, could be main show, haven't decided what I'm doing with this yet. And I'm Craig Fowler, joined down the line on this occasion by Craig Cairns. I was going to say that I was struggling uh, with these early morning podcasts still, but uh, it sounds like you are. I say early morning. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost it's almost the afternoon now, isn't it? Yeah, but that's not very early for us to do a podcast. We don't typically do them at uh, start them at ten to twelve <laughs> during the day or or at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does feel a bit strange still. Uh, yeah, so what we're doing here, as you probably saw for the title of the show, is the doing a classic match rewatch of the two thousand and two Scottish Cup final. I often talked about it as one of the best finals has been. Certainly, one of the best ones between Celtic and Rangers, uh, where Rangers won the match three two. Peter Lovenkrad scoring his second goal of the game in the last minute after Barry Ferguson and equalised Celtic scorers that they were John Hartson and Bobo Baldi. So before we get to all our categories, we just kind of obviously talk through the, the background and the game itself and the the kind of impact of the game kind of going forward. So the background for this was that earlier in the campaign, Celtic had been running away with the title already. The, the, the title was pretty much won by, you know, mid-December. And that was when Rangers decided to make a change at the manager's position. Dick Avocat was kind of moved upstairs in a kind of sacking before you're actually sacked kind of move. And Alex McLeish came in. From that point forward, Rangers were improved. They didn't really have much chance with the title because they were, they were just too far behind. But they, they pretty much matched Celtic over the, the rest of the season in terms of league games. I think they only were defeated once uh, under McLeish in the league after he came in, and that was a, a late-season loss to, to Livingston when the, the title was certainly done and dusted. And they also defeated Celtic in the, the League Cup final when uh, John Hartson missed a last-minute penalty to send the game to extra time at Hamden. I think it was the semi-final. No, that was the final. They beat them in both finals. The final was Rangers air when I looked it up. But. I really hope you're not right about that because I was, I was always certain it was the League Cup final. Yeah, it's, it's more likely I'm wrong. Uh, let me just let me just have a look at that. Uh, you can already put that into something you've uh, the first category, something you forgot about or misremembered if you if you turn <laughs> it to be wrong on this. But let me just quickly uh, just fire up the old Wikipedia on this. So Scottish football season. No, you're a hundred percent correct. It was Air United that defeated in the League Cup. So if I just misremembered that the entire time. So that John Hartson last minute penalty, was that a different year? This, and you, maybe you're thinking of the semi-final because Celtic lost just once 
domestically, oh, sorry, twice domestically over 90 minutes that season. The final we're about to talk about and a league match against Aberdeen. And apart from that, they went out in the League Cup semi-final to Rangers. Uh, so th- that's probably the game you're thinking of. No, it's um, it's the final oh. the following season. All oh, right, okay. I'm talk about a lot of final and semi-final meetings during the commentary for this. Yeah, and yeah, it was. You're right. It was the the semi-final because it was a. I remember now this game. It was a midweek game, and that was when Bert Conteman scored the winning goal, and it was an absolute belter. Obviously, by far and away his best moment in a Rangers top. Yeah, he was one of the disappointing Dutchmen that came in. Yes, they're kind of in in the end, he's kind of looked upon with like slight cult hero status just because just because of that goal and because he, he was actually kind of. It ended up being a, a fairly successful period for Rangers in the end, but he was kind of yeah looked upon as maybe a, a figure of fun because he was a bit rubbish. But he could have an occasional moment as he did uh, in that final. And I, I remember that goal and uh, a dark night at Hamden, just absolutely smashed into the top corner in extra time from a mile out. So yeah, so yeah, background. I've, I've fucked up the background. So anything else you want to add to the background? I think it was a it was an era where it was complete dominance from those two teams. So I mean, there was a lot of finals and semi-finals between them. Yeah, well, this was O'Neill's second season at Celtic, and had won the treble in his first season. And I think had it not been for McLeish replacing Avocat, he probably would have won two trebles in a row, uh, because earlier in the season it certainly looked like that because the under Avocat Rangers been beaten twice by Celtic. And then after that, McLeish came in and not only defeated them in the, the League Cup semi and in this game as well, obviously, they also drew both the, the league ties after McLeish took charge. Mm-hmm. So the game itself, what were your overall thoughts on the match? Uh, I thought it was great that given everything that's going on at the moment, like what better way to distract ourselves from talk of an asterisk next to a title than to talk about a game from the EBT era? <laughs> Uh, one that Rangers won, no less. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, on you go. Yeah, that's what we want. EBT. That's to be fair, I've actually got covering EBTs in uh, one of my categories. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll probably mention it a couple of times as well. Uh, I think for the match itself, I thought Rangers were the better team on the day. Uh, there wasn't. I don't think there was too much in it. But if you look at the fact that Celtics, Celtics opener came against a run of play when Rangers were briefly down to ten men. Uh, due to injury, uh, Celtic, other than the goals, didn't have many kind of clear chances. Whereas Rangers probably had about uh, about another uh, maybe two or three. Uh, while they also hit the post as well. And is that the way you saw the game as well? Do you think the Rangers in the end did deserve it? I disagree slightly. Actually, I thought Rangers dominated large parts of the game. I thought Celtic had their spells. Uh, they they had. They were better for the opening spell. I thought the fifteen minute first fifteen minutes were fairly early. Both teams had a spell each, and then I thought Rangers took control uh, most of the rest of that half. And then Celtic started the second half better, but again I thought Rangers were the better side uh, for 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 most of it. I, I think that after Celtic went ahead in the second half, I just thought Rangers Rangers just kind of took control of the game. Um, so yeah, disagree slightly. I think I think I think Rangers were kind of worth their win in the end. It was a great game though. Both teams went toe to toe. It's two fantastic lineups. Like we can only get a dream of in Scottish football these days. But it was also the season the House of Cars uh, started tumbling in Scottish football and clubs started going into administration after years of overspending and things like that. Uh, one question asked about the game: Should Celtic have had a penalty at two one when Hartson went down? On, uh, Hartson went down with Moore beside him. Yeah, I, I I don't think so. I think I think Hartson threw himself to the ground there. I, I I think Moore does kind of lazily kick out, but I couldn't see enough contact, especially not to make Hartson go down like that. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. It was. I think it's one of those ones that back then uh, maybe we'd be screaming more for a penalty because we did go through a period in football where any any kind of contact in the box and people used to pundits and fans used to say, "Well, there's contact that that should be a penalty." I think maybe nowadays we're more, uh, more kind of aware of what should be sending a player down, and not necessarily every bit of contact uh, deserves a penalty. So I was surprised that it wasn't given. But at first, well, surprised and not surprised because I think had Shidala saw what he, what the replay showed, then he might have given it. But from 
watching it at, at normal speed, it was hard to tell Moore's touch with his, I think it was his left leg kind of came across, or one of his legs came across the kind of Hartson's, Hartson's uh, left leg, but Hartson, yeah, it was, it was, sorry, it was, it was hard to see that. So I think that Dallas probably just missed it and it just looked like nothing really happened and, and Hartson threw himself down. I think Hartson probably did throw himself down anyway, but had Dallas seen the whole picture, I think he might have given a penalty. So they perhaps maybe we're a little bit lucky to get away with one, even though I don't think it was necessarily a penalty myself. Picking on some, up on something you said there, I was going to say this in the, the, the category about the commentary, but I found it a little bit difficult to judge their analysis sometimes because we're, we're talking about a different era of football and the rules have changed so much, and especially tackling. And there was a lot of meaty challenges in this game that would be straight red cards these days. Um, I mean, Hartson might have got himself sent off three times or something like that if it had been that match had been played today. But um, yeah, and uh, it reminded you as well that that O'Neill side was great, but it was full of thugs as well. <laughs> it's an absolutely massive team. Fucking hell, Rangers were the footballing team in that uh, final. <laughs> they had, the, I mean, they had that the likes of Amoruso and Moore. I mean, Moore was a thug as well, and he gave he put in a challenge. It would have been a straight red these days as well. Um, he got his own back on Hartson after Hartson elbowed him in the face. But um, yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that Rangers were the footballing team in that final, and Celtic were much more yeah, much more much, kind of throwing their weight about. Yeah, a bit more direct as well. Rangers as well, kind of a lot of things went through Ferguson and Celtic seemed to kind of lack that on the day. Lennon was fairly quiet, and obviously Lambert was forced off in the first half. McNamara yeah. took his place. Uh, we'll maybe get to him when we talk about some of the players who didn't really perform, but I barely noticed McNamara was playing, other than when he was taking throw-ins. I think the change of shape helped. Um, I think him coming on to change the shape helped. But yeah, his performance, yeah, he didn't stand out or anything like that. He nah. wasn't, I don't think he stood out as being poor or anything either. No, I don't. Uh, well, again, we'll get to that soon, but I don't, I don't think anybody really stood out as being particularly poor, although I we'll, suppose we'll talk about that soon. That's not I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> um, so, what did you... Ah, yeah, so this was a pretty good era. I was going to ask, what did you think about the, the quality of the, the football on show as well? I think it's fair to say it was pretty high and a pretty... I mean, obviously, this was the peak of the money. Was also maybe in our, like, well, at least... In our lifetimes, is this maybe the, the peak of the quality of football as well, or do you think it was maybe better a little before this? And in, in terms of Scottish, maybe in terms of Scottish football as a whole, obviously these were the two best teams at the time. Yeah, definitely, and it was um, it was in that era, but it was right at the it, like like I was saying earlier, it was right at the end of that era. It was it was just before clubs started to go into administration and things like that. Or, or did clubs start to that season? Was Motherwell that season or the season after? I can't remember, but. Um, yeah, so it was definitely in the era. I mean, you had the likes of Arthur Newman and Ronald De Boer and people like that playing. I mean, that that's insane to think of these days. Those kind of international class players. I mean, we still have internationals, but you know what I mean. That that level, Dutch yeah. internationals, and even the Celtic team as well. Chris Sutton coming straight for Chelsea, Lennon coming for Leicester, Larson. Uh, Lam- Lambert only, yeah, Larson, Lambert only, Hartson even coming straight for the English Premier League, Lambert only being uh, six years removed to winning the Champions League. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, an abundance of excellent players on show that at their time, their standing in football back in those days, Scottish football won't get those players now and probably ever again. But we have come out the other side better now. We've kind of stopped trying to be like that. And I mean, obviously, when you look at Rangers long term and Celtic, they have uh, different ambitions from the rest of the league. But there's no longer this kind of want to be a poor man's English football, and to and it wasn't sustainable anyway. And we we definitely, certainly in the 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 time the terrace has been going, we uh, we've been much more appreciative of the kind of identity that Scottish football's forged in that time. Yeah, and we're probably being a bit uh, harsh on players nowadays as well. Like, if you say, I think Odds and Edward, he wouldn't have looked out of place. Like, might not have got ahead of either Hudson or Larson, but he certainly would have been somebody to bring off the bench anyway. Probably a better player than... Yeah, we're just not going to have him when he's playing at the World Cup for France, though. The same as yeah. we're not gonna have, we didn't have Van Dyke until he played in the World Cup, or he's not going to come as a, a World Cup player, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and there's probably a few other players, like, that would have been, because, uh, I mean, it's the start, like, somebody like Petrov, it's the start of his uh, kind of career ascent, and you can say, like, would there be much of a change if he swapped in Ryan Christie for Petrov? Probably not. Like, Christie's a very good player as well, who should go on to, to play a, a, a level similar to, to Petrov did. But you're right in what you're saying is that Celtic and Rangers are still doing that with players. They're still bringing in players and bringing in some very good players and guys who will go on to be quite you know respected at high levels. But that's only what they could do now. They can't bring in somebody who, like like Chris Sutton, like uh, like like um, Parson, who were like Newman De Boer players who were already respected at the high level and then signed for Rangers and not just as like 35 year olds when they're at the end of their career and want one last day in the limelight yeah yeah exactly right then back to the game as well so Rangers Rangers won both cups and we're basically playing Celtic to draw in the league I thought this really gave them some especially this game being the last game of the season I thought it really gave them some momentum going into the falling campaign where they would eventually win the treble that was the season where they both had both were going for the the title on the last day, and it came down to goal difference, and Celtic went to the UEFA Cup final as well. So, but in terms of beating Celtic to to three competitions the, the following year, I'm not sure that happens if they don't win this game. Yeah, or if they don't um, make the decision to get rid of Advoca uh, or move him upstairs, like you said, because he had been he'd been very successful there, um, and it. It showed you that it just needed kind of rejuvenated rather than wholesale changing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, yeah, I totally agree with you there. And it was, it was, it was McLeish in his pomp as well. McLeish, uh, it's it's a little bit sad that it's uh, been soured a little bit recently. Or there'll be some supporters that will only really know him as his kind of recent failings, but. Um, he was a, he was an excellent manager for a long time, even before that. Uh, Hibbs and Motherwell did pretty well, um, and yeah, he was on an upward trajectory at that point, struggling with that word again, um, and all the way to being Scotland manager. Yeah, and then I mean, even you could count after that. I mean, they kept Birmingham up for a couple of years, then won the League Cup. It was pretty much as soon as they won the won the League Cup with Birmingham, that was it for the rest of his career. He was just suddenly t- turned into a useless manager who was no good anywhere. Yeah, and he tried lots of different places. He certainly did. Yeah. Right, yes, is there anything else you've got to add about the impact of the game before we move on to the categories? No, nah, not really, I don't think. We've got plenty to say okay. about the categories, so... Right, is there anything you misremembered or forgot about watching this I, match back? I forgot that Chris Sutton played centre-half. I, I was my first one as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... He was almost my biggest dumpling as well. I thought <laughs> um, he. I just kept thinking about what he'd be saying about himself if he was a co-commentator. What He's got to do better. <laughs> yeah, um, he just kept running into people. It's. I mean, I know he was a centre forward who would drop back to centre half the odd time, but um, just kept running into people in the, in the in the middle of the pitch, and he was. He was a bit unfortunate for the first goal, I think, because I can't, is it Malby's head that comes off and it kind of, that, that's what does him. Had Malby left it for Sutton, I think Sutton would have just headed it out of play. I don't know what Malby's doing at the first goal to try and yeah. like head it. It's, a, it's such a weird thing he does, like tries to head it like back back into play. It's like, why are you I doing that? Area. Yeah, and um, he, get, he obviously gets done for the for the winner as well, doesn't he? Sutton. Yes, yeah, he... Instead of following the flight of the ball, he tries to get touch tight with Lovenkrantz, but doesn't kind of lose his completely where Lovenkrantz is. So he, he's trying to kind of put body to body on him, moves himself back, realises Lovenkrantz isn't where he thought he was, and then just turns around in time to see him getting his head to the ball. Yeah. Did you have any others that you... Um, I had quite a, quite a few. I, I completely forgot that Rangers equalised so quickly after Celtic opened the scoring. Yeah, yeah, oh. as well. I didn't write that down, but yeah. I was still uh, writing my notes for Celtic's opener. <laughs> heard Rob McLean's voice go up a few pitches. I was like, "What's happened here?" Oh yeah. Um, the and also Stefan Claus. I forgot that he was absolutely fucking terrible at everything other than saving shots. Well, like kicking and like coming, coming for crosses. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even notice that. I'm gonna be. 
if, if I can be bothered, maybe go back and look again. But I'll, I'll take your word for it. There's a couple where he just sticks to his line when he should maybe come out for it. Um, and uh, there's also a, a pass back. It's one where he's really put under pressure and you can't blame him, but there's another one where he kind of fluffs the, fluffs the clearance. One thing that it stood out for me was players taking their shirts off for celebrating and not yeah, getting booked. Great. I googled when the rule was introduced because I was wondering if Baldy should have been sent off. But uh, no, the rule was brought in in 2004, I think it was. Oh, right. I, I just assumed it was it was in play at this time. So that's that's quite interesting. Um, I remember as well, I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but I had, I think, because the rule was obviously quite controversial and a lot of fans didn't like it and players obviously didn't like it as well. And you get guys who'd, you know, forget the rule, came in and then get sent off for, for taking the shot off for a second celebration. It was just a bit daft. And I think... I'd I'd thought that they'd got rid of it for a while. Maybe they'd maybe they'd had it before this, or it was like it was kind of like a rule that sometimes referees implemented and sometimes didn't. And then they got rid of it because I remember when Diego Forland scored for Man United, and remember he took his shirt off and he couldn't get it back on before the game restarted. So he was actually running around a bit with his shirt off. I don't remember it's, that. No, it was, uh, it was a game at Old Trafford, and it was just ridiculous. That he was like, I think he'd like take it off and like whipped it about, and I think it had gone like, like I don't know, part of the shot had like gone through like an arm or gone through like his head, and he just couldn't figure out what was wrong with it and how to get it back on. So the game restarted, and he actually closed somebody down and like won the ball, and the referee just had to stop playing. He's like, no, we can't have you running around topless. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to stop this. You have to get your shirt back on. Yeah, he wasn't booked. For, he wasn't booked for it. So I thought that they then brought it back in as a kind of result of that, that they couldn't have uh, players uh, taking right. their shots off and then taking too long to get their tops back on. So uh, this might have been in the in the wee period where you, you definitely weren't allowed to do it at all. Uh, sorry, I, you were fine to do it, is what I meant to say. I, part of the reason they had brought it in was to do with people revealing messages. Yes. When they did yeah, okay. Just seeing uh, if I re- right. Yeah, the only uh, yeah, that's what they've always said is that players can have slogans or advertising. That was something I didn't like as well because you know companies pay loads of money to advertise live matches, and if you then have a player who's advertising a different brand, then that pisses off sponsors. So, like for a World Cup, for example, if a World Cup is sponsored by Budweiser and a player reveals a Coors Light, for example, then uh, like FIFA wouldn't be happy. Right, so let's see if there's anything else. Uh, just this isn't a really a misremembering thing. This is just a, an unusual quirk. So Celtic playing with a, or at least starting with a three-five-two, and Lennon and Lambert taking the throw-ins. Yeah, I noticed that. I, I did notice that in the first half. I wasn't sure. I didn't even think to check later on to see if it had persisted or to notice if it had persisted. But did that p- persist throughout the match? I I forgot to look at. So I wrote this down in the first half. So I forgot to. Yeah, I did notice that in the first half actually. Yeah, forgot to keep an eye on it. Another thing I misremembered is that I thought this was Ferguson's breakout year in terms of the most goals he scored in a single season, where he got eighteen. I thought it was this year, like, and then, and I, I actually I thought he left after this game, but he was the following season where they won the treble, where he scored eighteen times, and then it was the three games in the next campaign where he left and signed for Blackburn. Yeah, and you could see in the second half he was just wanting to shoot whenever he had the chance. There was a couple of times where he really shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, he had that one that that rasper that came off the post, and then obviously there was his free kick as well. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a Barry the Crab performance. It wasn't. No, no. I mean, we're coming on to the biggest hero next. He isn't who I have, but he was the best player in the park. He was. He was unbelievable. Well, let's go to that now because I, I, I've written down in my notes. It's got to be between the two, the two Rangers goalscorers for the biggest hero, in my opinion, uh, because. Yeah, Ferguson was the best player in the park. And I think Lovenkrantz, in addition to his two goals, played pretty well as well. Yeah, I mean, it has to be Lovenkrantz. I think he's just... When you think of that final, you think of him, you think of his last-minute goal. That's uh, Even though his first goal was uh, much, much better, it was an absolutely fantastic goal, um, especially given the the time in the game, just after going behind. But, yeah, I mean, you think of you think of that final, you think of him, basically. Yeah, which is yeah. important on Ferguson because he was was the best best player, I think. And a crazy statistic as well that he scored seven goals that season and five of them were against Celtic. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, that must be some sort of record this century. Goals in a season against Celtic. There can't be. It's got to be up there. There can't be many that have. Ah, in terms of a ratio, like above, let's say, like, let's say, like above two goals or something you've scored in a season. Because I'm sure there maybe is like a centre half who, in, in one season, has just scored twice and for headers, for corners, and old form games. No, but even even five goals in a season against Celtic. I mean, how how common would that be? Oh yeah, that's a good point as well. I think Dembele got more than five for Celtic against Rangers in his first season. He certainly got five. I'm trying to remember if it's more than that. He got the hat-trick. He scored in a League Cup semi and he scored in the win at Ibrox. I can't remember the other games of that campaign. So he got at least five. But that was when Rangers were pish and Celtic were, you know, brilliant. <laughs> Celtic yeah. were un- literally undefeated the entire season and won the treble and Rangers were Rangers finished third. So it wasn't quite as comparable as the two teams this campaign. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to know if anybody had done that or beaten that against Celtic over, over the last 20 years. Right, let's get to Biggest Dumpling. I will already told you who I who I had in second, um, but I, I've gone with Amoruso. I thought he was fucking terrible. <laughs> One thing I'll say in Amoruso's defence is that I thought he had quite a few crucial interceptions uh, in the penalty box, and he does win the free kick for the equaliser. But you're right, he's, uh, he's given a hard time by John Hartson. He's at fault for both Celtic goals, beaten in the air by Bolo Baldi, and he misses two. Yeah, and he misses two great chance, two great chances at the other end as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was a player of the year. He was a player of the year that season. But um, I, I just I gave the ball away a few times, tried to step out. There were a couple of good things that he did. Obviously, uh, kept getting too tight to to Larson, who didn't have a very good game, by the way. But he spun him. Was it, was it Larson? The foul was on for Baldi's goal for the free kick for Baldi's goal. Yes, it was. Aye, so um, yeah, I just thought overall he was um, he was he was pretty poor despite being on the the winning team. There was a few there's a few Celtic players that I thought I don't think there was many players who were bad, but I thought there was a few that were just kind of ineffective and a bit too quiet. And yeah. had they had they played at their best, then, then Celtic might have won this game. So I had a, I had a few written down. Larson, as we've already mentioned. Yeah. He barely. He doesn't really have a proper chance. He has a couple of half chances, but nothing, nothing great. He has some decent movement and some good touches around the box, but it's not as as dominant as it as he could have been. Uh, I thought a gap after kind of threatening the opening stages going forward was fairly ineffective. He had a decent cross for uh, Larson, I think it was late on, but apart from that, didn't do enough on the right hand side. Thompson as well on the other end was pretty quiet, yeah. and Petrov didn't do much as an an attacking threat either. Yeah, I, I agree with all those. Um, uh, Thompson was one of the ones that stood out to me, especially the other ones you mentioned. I think it was more in the second half. I noticed that they hadn't done much or they, they had been fairly poor. Um, but Thompson was somebody I'd noticed in the first half had been had been quite poor. I thought, um, I'll, I'll leave it actually because I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up in one of the other categories. Okay. Uh, move on to biggest managerial mistake. Uh, O'Neill starting with the back three. I thought that the fact that when he was enforced into that change that he changed the shape was an admission that he had kind of got it wrong. And Rangers' shape with the front three, it was a kind of four, five, one, but the, the the two attacking players on the sides were getting quite high up and they were just especially in the early stages of the game, they were just pulling pulling that Celtic back three all over the place. I remember that being a criticism of Neil at the time because he was very much yeah, w- like wedded to the, the three five two, and you can see why. I mean, it allows them to put three monsters in the centre half. Exactly. They were always they were always strong for set pieces, and it kind of it helped. It, it, it just kind of suited their squad overall to to kind of have that to be able to swamp the midfield and have two of out of you know three excellent forwards starting an attack, and. But Rangers under McLeish, I think that was one of the key things that McLeish done was switch to the four three three, and with three dynamic forwards as well. So they started with Lovenkrads, McCann, and Kanija, and Arvaladze replacing Kanija, and all three of them, you know, none of them are kind of stationary target men or, or guys who are just goal scorers. All three are, are are 
attackers who can really get about the final third of the pitch and pull that Celtic back three left, right and centre. Yeah, I mean, Lovegrand's played part of his career as a winger. I mean, I think he might have been a winger when he pitched up at Rangers. Was it, was it Rangers that converted him into a centre forward? He certainly played yes. both throughout his career and I remember him being a winger earlier in his career. But um, yeah, I mean, they all, the three you mentioned, they all had uh, good games. McCann, just McCann's a was a big game player in his in his day, wasn't he? Um, again, we'll come to him a bit more later in one of the other categories. But um, Kanija actually feeds into the next category for me. I had him for best cameo because, well, the, I mean, there were no second half substitutions for a start, um, and Kanija was forced off early by the the Celtic thugs. I actually thought he was. <laughs> at it. I actually thought he was at it when Sutton took him down, but then I saw Sutton apologising to him and watching, even watching the replays and I was thinking Sutton could feasibly have claimed their shoulder to shoulder and just gone about his day. I thought it was weird that he was trying to apologise to him um, and like I say I thought Kanija was at it but um, no he was, he was done and it was a bit of a shame because he looked like he was on for a man of the match performance in the early stages of that match. And it was the, the yeah because he did. He was very much involved, and Arvaladze did not replicate that performance when he came on. Uh, and it was the following season that so the what I thought earlier on was a earlier this campaign when Rangers beat them one 0 in the League Cup final, or no, was it one 0 oh, Whatever the score was, Rangers beat them in the League Cup final. And Hearts and missed that penalty. Kenijo was excellent that game, uh, and so that was the following season. That was kind of his, his peak at, at Rangers. Was, was that match? My yeah. best cameo though. Uh, I'm going for the ball boys. Okay, <laughs> out the box. Uh, did you see what they were wearing? No, I totally missed this. No, <laughs> it was only because it done a. It was one of the chances you could see the ball boy quite clearly in the, in the background behind the goal, and I thought I wonder if it was just one of them. But then I had to look about, and they were all wearing this. They were all wearing a kind of a yellowy orange top that was like a jumper, a yellow orange jumper with bright red tracky bottoms. No, I totally missed that. I was watching on uh, grainy YouTube footage. I missed this on iPlayer. So my uh, my my coverage wouldn't have been quite as sharp as yours, but I certainly didn't notice that, no. Hey, let me say the iPlayer one wasn't exactly in HD either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Just I, I, I'd imagine it looked a bit better than the one I had. Probably. Uh, right, next category, unless you've got any other uh, nominations for best cameo. Nah, like I say, there was no second half subs, so there was no really any chance of there being any. Uh, you could say one uh, decent cameo because there wasn't too many close-ups of him because he didn't do too much. Uh, still in Petrov's hair. Uh, dyed blonde just on the top with green tips. Yeah, it was it was that it was that era, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Baggy green shirt. tips, but come on. <laughs> Neil Lennon had a full head of dyed bleached blonde hair. Yeah, but he never had any green in his. No, he didn't. But I don't know. Like that that was that's just the kind of thing that footballers do now and then, isn't it? Right. Most underrated player. Uh I have gone for Morris Ross. I thought that um I was talking about Alan Thompson earlier and saying we'd get to him later. I thought um Thompson was quite poor, but I thought Morris Ross dealt with him really well. I mean Morris Ross was a young laddie at the time. Um and Thompson was an experienced English pro and I thought that it was I thought Thompson's poor performance was equal parts him being poor and Ross doing well and keeping him quiet Rangers just left them 1v1 and and Ross won that battle I Ross I think had a decent game I went for John Hartson obviously underrated because I know he scored but underrated because he was on the losing team but I thought Hartson had an absolute stormer of a game uh, not in addition to scoring the opener, he just gave Moore and Amoruso an absolutely torrid time, just throwing his weight around and really causing problems. I, I literally sometimes, because like I say, he smashed Moore in the face with an elbow and he went in with his studs up. Can't remember who it was on, but he didn't quite make contact. But yeah, I agree. He was he was a fantastic player in Scotland. He was a fantastic player in England as well. He would um, remember the season he kept Coventry up. It, he would just. He would just lump the ball into the box every opportunity, and he, he would just seem to win any head, every header. And uh, he was, his goal scoring record was excellent, playing for relegation threatened clubs in the top flight in England. 
I think for best fan moment, we could probably bring that together with most iconic moment. So it's probably just got to be Lovencrans' winner, isn't it? I'm glad you're thinking the same thing as me because I was just going to repeat. I think you can't really. I, I think you can't really separate the two. Um, the it's just it's just amazing because I mean a last minute winner in any game is great, but in a cup final and it wasn't even just last minute. You can say last minute for 89th minute. It was it was like the third last kick of the game or something like that. Celtic took yeah. centre, lumped it. And the full-time whistle was blown. And as a fan experience, that's just that's just one of the best moments you'll have as a fan. Oh, yeah, un- yeah undoubtedly. And uh, the producer as well, or the director uh, for, for Sports Scene, uh, did a pretty good job of showing the, the fans going absolutely ballistic after the winner. A, a good kind of tracking shot along the, the Rangers' end as for about three seconds, as you can just see so many people just when it just looks like complete carnage. You always you always love that. You always want to be part of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um like I say, a last minute winner in any game is amazing. But to to do it the last last kick of the game against your rivals in a cup final. And what was an amazing uh back and forth encounter as well. Um yeah, it's one of the I mean it's it's gotta be up there with one of the best Scottish Cup finals ever, isn't it? Yeah, it's gotta be. Right, next category is biggest sliding doors moment. I thought this one was a bit tricky. Yeah, me too. I just, I just started thinking about Rangers and EBTs, and uh, <laughs> well, that's what I did. That's exactly what <laughs> yeah. I did. Maybe they realised the error of their ways a little earlier, and they they admit to tax avoidance and they pay back. <laughs> we never have the big tax case. Um, we then have a period of Rangers being like Celtic in the nineties, and we have Celtic. Uh, chasing nine in a row during the 2000s rather than now. Or I suppose now they pretty much have it, don't they? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, they do it like all, all but have nine in a row. But but with the asterisk, as uh, Rangers fans will, will no doubt point out for the rest of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that as well because I couldn't really think of anything in the game. The game was hard because the Rangers... Yeah, you can maybe say if Rangers don't win the game, then do they have success the following season? Is Alex McLeish's career thought of uh, differently uh, if he doesn't win the treble the following season? I mean, they still won the title the year after that, but that was that was off the back of winning the treble. So, you know, perhaps things are different. Maybe they don't have that belief in themselves. But it was hard to really pick of any kind of moment. As you said, Rangers were the better team on the day. So it was hard to, you know, maybe uh, if Dallas had given the penalty uh, when Larson went down, that would Celtic might have made it 3-1. And for that point, as well as Rangers were playing, it's hard to imagine Celtic, who at that stage would have just been able to sit back, conceding two goals between then and the end of the match, which obviously would have helped as well with trying to deal with the the movement of, of the Rangers' front three by just kind of condensing the game. But yeah, I, I, I went for, like, not this game, but beforehand when David Murray said, yes, let's go for that employee, employee benefit trust scheme. Because <laughs> it's funny when you look through the list of players who were... Um, who were paid like amounts of money through this? It's pretty much this entire Rangers team and their manager. And you only have to look at the was it was it some documentary that was on recently when Alex McLeish was asked about it, and he pretty much admitted that they wouldn't have won some of these uh, titles and cups had it not been for the advantage they'd been given by it. Right. What's your most comedic moment? I I don't have one for this man. I, I kind of I. I was looking out for one. I I thought about it again this morning when I was kind of going through my notes again, but I thought I had something. Sorry, man. It's all right. There was, a, there was only a couple, uh, and there weren't things that really stood out. So there was... I, I had a wee laugh, uh, and this is only kind of really funny in retrospect, uh, that we know how angry he is and how much he falls out with everybody. So I had a wee laugh at Neil McCann going absolutely rag Arthur Newman early doors for a bit of miscommunication where Newman thought McCann was going to go short, McCann went long and Newman just knocked out the park and then McCann was absolutely furious with him. <laughs> yeah, it fits in his character, doesn't it? But yeah, it's funny, yeah. Neil McCann, who, who was a good player in his day though, but that's it, I mean, that's Arthur Newman you're having a go at. And the other one was Chick Young uh, getting his words mixed up and saying that uh, Jackie McNamara's game has finished and he's going to be replaced by Jackie McNamara. <laughs> well, I was uh, like I, said, I was watching it on YouTube, and I had Ian Crocker and Davy Province, so I didn't I didn't get that bit. 
Right. Uh, well, that brings us next. Commentary quality. So how was the, the Sky Sports commentary? It was all right, actually. It was, it was, it's really not changed much <laughs> in that time. Um, I thought, yeah, like I say, I thought Davy Proven was his usual. I, I disagreed with him on the penalty and the, the penalty shout, sorry. And then other than that, as I said earlier, I found it a little bit difficult to kind of judge some of them because they were talking about, I was, I was looking at things and thinking that's a straight red card. But um, even the one that, even the studs up one that Hartson doesn't connect with, I, I, I think lots of referees give that as a red card these days. Maybe not in a final, uh, an old firm final. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was pretty impressed with Rob McLean's performance. I thought he'd done a, a good job overall, especially at some of the goals. His voice cracks a little, even for the winner as well. And that's it's always kind of good when a, a commentator who maybe normally doesn't do that kind of is just caught up with the sheer kind of, you know, just caught up in the emotion and just like kind of losing their coolness almost. And yeah. I think that I think that's when commentators do it too often. Uh, it can be a bit tiring, but when you have it where maybe like Ron McLean's always been somebody who's is not always been as much of a kind of screamer, and when he, you know, gets caught up in things, that that's that adds to how special a moment it was. Yeah, I do find Ian Crocker sometimes. I don't know. I think sometimes at goals he doesn't sound as enthusiastic as he could. But uh, like I say, I, I think overall they were. It was. They were both. It was decent. It was decent. And like I say, when you get those two these days, you get them a lot for Scotland matches, don't you? That's their lineup for Scotland international matches. But um, their their style hasn't really changed much. The two of them. Okay. Next category. Who had their career peak? Uh, this is maybe quite a tough one, especially because that Celtic side. I suppose. It, yeah, the, Celt- the majority of the Celtic side the season before won a treble. And yeah. the the season after went to the FA Cup final. Cup final, yeah. So people like Agat, you would probably say he was at his peak while he was at Celtic, um, but not this match itself. That, yeah, maybe not in that exact moment, but um, he was during his time. I thought maybe maybe Morris Ross, and maybe uh, I don't know. It's maybe hard. I don't think again. I don't think this game was maybe Neil McCann's peak, but I think. This was around the time where he was at his peak. I think the problem with Ross, and Ross was somebody I considered, but he played more games the following season and Rangers won the treble. So I I think it's, this is this is around his peak overall of his career, obviously, but I'm not sure whether this match is. I think if you had to pick somebody, I thought it probably had to be Lovenkrantz. Now, I know he went on to score against Inter Milan and a goal that put Rangers into the knockout stages of the Champions League. So that's a pretty big moment as well. And he went went on a play in the English Premier League with Newcastle and did so fairly well. And Newcastle fans think quite highly of him. But if you're really looking for a, an absolute moment in somebody's career, scoring two goals in an old firm cup, Scottish Cup final and one of the best and most remembered finals there's been, you know, in you know post-war era, then I think it's got to be him if you're picking anybody. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, like I said, I found this one a bit. Tough. I was more thinking about people who were at their peaks while they were at these clubs or at at this kind of couple of year period because it's difficult to look, especially when you've got Dutch internationals and things like that, it's, it's difficult to look at that and say, this game in Scottish football, as much as we love it, this game in Scottish football was their peak. Yeah, yeah not- a decent shout, I think. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying in terms of if you're, if you're looking at somebody's kind of pre overall, it's, it's, I think Morris Ross has got to be. This is definitely around his his career didn't really pan out too well for him after he, he left Rangers as a player. He certainly this is the highest level he ever played at. Uh, yeah, right. He, so sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, and even a gat. I mean, he he had a strange career. He kind of pitched up. Was it was it Wraith or something like that? He had like a short term deal, and or was it Dundee? I can't remember. And then he had a bit of Hibs, and then then he's playing in the UEFA Cup final for Celtic. I'm fairly certain it was Wraith. Wraith uh, what happened to him after Celtic? I can't even remember. No, neither can I, to be honest. Uh, uh, Villa. Oh, yeah, so he did go down I there. But he didn't, Villa, yeah, he didn't really play much. Right, two categories left. 
So what was the most surprising thing you could tell your past self? So if you go back in time and tell yourself something about this game, what, you, what could you tell younger Craig Cairns that you'd be most surprised about? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, and we've already talked about it, but that Rangers would get caught financially doping and it'd be the biggest scandal there's ever been in Scottish football. Uh, yeah, that, that's a pretty strong one. Uh, I thought if you want to go away for the EBT, since we've covered it already, I've also got that this would be the last Celtic Rangers Scottish Cup final for at least 19 years. Is that right? Yeah, I looked it up. There's not been another one since. I'll maybe just do a quick double check, but I'm oh. fairly certain because I was even off the top of my head, I was thinking, I think yeah. that might be right. Yeah, Motherwell Celtic, um, it have been a couple of times, Hibs and Celtic a couple of times. And then obviously we don't have to go through the more recent ones because the more recent ones, uh, we know that it's been like the the, the era. Yeah, and Rangers have only been back once and that was the defeat to Hibs. Right, uh, final category. How much How much would you rate this out of five in terms of rewatchability? I mean, at first I put down five and then I went down to 4.5 and I put it up to five again because I thought... The reason I put it down to 4.5 is because I thought there was some poor quality in there. There was, like I say, there was Sutton constantly running into traffic. There were times where the play was a bit sloppy. But then I thought to myself, how many boring finals do you watch because teams are shit scared to concede the first goal or to go for it? Or there's an underdog and their best chance is to sit in. And it was just, I don't know, to get five goals in a final, to have that much quality on the pitch and have that much incident. It was just... Yeah, two teams, two brilliant teams going toe-to-toe. And so it has, has to be five out of five, doesn't it? Yeah, I would... I, it's hard to disagree with you too much because it is, it is a, a stunning game of football. But I would give it 4.5 because I just want to separate it from the 2016 Cup Final and the 1991 Final, the other two classic matches I've done for this podcast. Because I just thought they were better. I thought they were more entertaining overall. I think one of the main reasons it didn't have quite as much action as the Motherwell Dundee United four three game in terms of in the goal mouth. Uh, obviously, some of the some of the play was a bit better on this one because of the because of the, the the quality of, of talent on show. But that one just was just a, a mad game where just so many chances, so many goals, you know. Uh, just uh, and so many, so many horrendous fouls didn't even get bookings, and that added to the my enjoyment of it because I just kept laughing. It was like, how is that not a booking? Yeah, <laughs> like, Ali Maxwell playing on with a fucking gunshot wound. Yeah, a, a ruptured spleen, uh, and I thought the, the 2016 final was a, a bit better as well, a more entertaining game. And I think the reason for that was that there was more chances in that one as well, other than the goals. And Duncan said this when we'd done that when we covered that game was that Stephen McLean, the referee then, really let it flow in terms of letting teams away with kind of wee kind of niggly fouls and Hugh Dallas really didn't do this in that game. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of the fouls he gave were definitely deserved, but there was a few where you thought, I mean, come on, just just let it go. It's it's an old-form game. You're going to get a lot of body contact. You could have just let play continue there. So you're knocking half a point off it because of the ref? <laughs> when the ref, referees can have a massive impact on games. Oh, you're right. And, you're, you're right. Uh, I don't think Hugh Dallas, he didn't get anything majorly wrong, but I didn't think he had a, a particularly great game either. Just poor Hugh Dallas, still getting <laughs> metaphorical coins thrown at him. <laughs> hey, I'm not putting his windows in here, all right? <laughs> <laughs> right, that'll do us. Uh, thanks very much, Craig. Did you enjoy your first uh, classic match rewatch? It was great, actually. I really enjoyed it. Right, uh, we're doing a few of these, so now I've discovered that you could get games on Scout going back to, like, 2010. Uh, there's there's plenty of options for us, and there's also still more getting shown uh, on the TV. I think sh- I got Sean to record, what was it, it was a like, game last night, it was one of the times Celtic beat Rangers 5-1. Oh, was it that? Right, sorry, I thought, you were, I thought it was another final. I thought you were asking somebody to record the 2003 final recently. No, 2003 final was rubbish. Was it? Yeah, that was, was that, uh, Rangers that beating. Oh, okay. No, Rangers beat Dundee. Right, I'm thinking of the Dumbe, no Pierre, Pierre Dumbe or something. That was Celtic beating Dunfermline. That was 
That was either 2006 or 2000, no, 2007. Hearts won in 2006. Uh, okay, 2004 is another, I don't, I don't know if we should be going on about this, but 2004, was that another Celtic Dunfermline one then? Larson scored twice. It was like three that was a good game. He won. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Dunfermline took the lead and then had a stonewall penalty turned down and then Celtic went right up the other end and scored uh, an equaliser. But there's definitely a conspiracy against Celtic. Yeah. See, there's a De- Ronnie Dyla interview in the Times today about that Josh Meekins moment. That, about that being a sliding doors moment. I mean, it didn't help him. He probably would have won a treble. Uh, although I think at the end, because they weren't getting into the Champions League, I still think he would have... You know, lost his job in the end. I don't think and he didn't have the respect of the players. <laughs> the no, certainly not. Right, so that'll do us. Thanks very much, Craig. If uh, those listeners would like to get in contact with us, uh, please do uh, at Terrace Podcast on Twitter is the best way to go about it. Uh, for uh, like I said, I've not decided whether this is a Patreon or just uh, going out on the the free uh, flagship uh, show feed. So. Uh, if you, if, I've, if I do put it on that, I, I should give a plug to uh, Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast, where there's a few more classic matches on that. There's also a few other uh, different types of shows that we're doing while everyone's in lockdown and there's no football and we can't even be in the same room as each other. So uh, plenty still content going out. So if you enjoyed this, I'm sure you'll, en- you'll enjoy all of that as well. Yeah, Craig, anything to add? No, no, just saying there's loads of good stuff up there. There certainly is. Right, Craig, thanks very much for joining me. Cheers. Cheers, and thanks very much for listening. Stay safe. Goodbye, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.